Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Leslie Gaynor. Leslie is a real estate agent specializing in co-housing. In 2016, she founded GoCo Solutions, part of the Friedman team of Forest Hill Real Estate, to help people navigate the process of cooperative real estate and find a home in the Toronto and GTA real estate market. As well as supporting her clients, Leslie hosts events and conferences to educate about co-housing. These have included co-housing speed dating evenings to match prospective home buyers together. In my interview with Leslie, we discuss why someone might consider the co-ownership of real estate, how weown.ca came to be, and the life-changing benefits of co-ownership. Without further ado, here's my interview with Leslie Gaynor. Hi, Leslie. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm doing really well. I'm uh, adjusting to this different pace of life and trying to figure out how it all fits together. Great. I think I'm in the same boat as you, but it seems like the worst is behind us and it seems like the situation's improving. So, yeah, looking forward to a good summer and hopefully we can enjoy the outdoors a, a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, let's get started with the interview then. I have some very interesting topics and questions to discuss with you today. So I guess the que- first question that I had for you is, what is the co-ownership of real estate and why would somebody consider it? Well, I think that's a really complicated and, and easy question to answer. So I'm going to start with what co-ownership is. Co-ownership is really an approach to buying property with a group of people for, a very, for very many different reasons. You can co-own an investment property. You can co-own a condo and rent it out, or one of you can live there. So really, the concept for me that's really important is the ability to purchase real estate with a group of people. What you do with that property or how you approach that property is really up to the people who are buying. What I focus on a lot with people is helping them figure out what problem are they trying to solve. And then we work a little bit backwards. And often it ends up being a discussion around wanting to share or live more intentionally in our lives. So the bricks and mortar, Sean, are like one part of it. But really what the bigger part of it is how people want to live their lives. Co-ownership is a structure and style of owning property or cooperative real estate through co-ownership. The other piece of it is how do you want to live in that property? And that's a very different question for me. That's where people get a little confused around co-living and shared living and cooperative living and all of that stuff. So it's very distinct. There's the purchasing and then there's the living. Great. You've explained that quite clearly. And, and you mentioned 
co-living and a couple other terms. Would you be able to just define those for yeah. the listeners? You know, what I find is, is that more and more, and, and actually sort of during COVID, a lot of people have started to kind of think a little bit differently about what it's like to live in isolation. You know, people who lived alone before went to work, went out to bars and pubs, went to their parks, hung out with their friends. So, yeah, maybe they slept in their place and had their own kitchen and their own. But isolation has become something that people have become kind of heightened. The, the awareness of isolation, people have become sort of more, more aware of what that means. What I mean by co-living or sharing or any of that is you kind of have to determine who you are in the world. What are the pieces that make sense to you in your life? So I just had a lunch with an older woman who's got three friends and they're all like, look, you know, I don't like eating alone. Eating alone makes me sad because I used to have a big family table and tons of kids and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to eat alone anymore. Some people say, look, I really prefer to have my own dining room table and eat by myself. But I do like to have, you know, a martini in the backyard with friends. Like, so the co-living part of it is again, not one definition. So people say to me, well, what what does it mean to co-live? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What does it mean to have a relationship? You've got to be able to really master your own definition of what you would want in that kind of situation. And I've had everything from people who've wanted to buy a big house together and share meals and share the backyard and share the living room. And I've had other people who've successfully purchased a fourplex and they live in their own unit they live as though they're in their own home but they have Sunday barbecues together or they have some shared common space it's really really important for me to get across the message that this is not prescribed it is about you filling out your own prescription and deciding what it is you need and want and what would work best for you in your more intentional life Great. Thanks for explaining all of that. And we've definitely covered the personal aspect, but isn't there also a financial aspect? Real estate isn't as affordable as it once was in Toronto and Vancouver. So perhaps you could just briefly touch on that as well. Sure. You know, I talk about, you know, some of the things that happen in co-ownership and one of the benefits is you get to combine and leverage other people's income. You get to combine and leverage other people's deposits and down payments just like any notion of kind of group purchasing of can apply to real estate. Now it's a little more complicated than that, but I don't want to simplify. You also have to combine then everyone's debt. You also have to combine everyone's bad credit history. You have to combine everyone's lack of money or lack of employment. Like, so you have to, you have to talk to knowledgeable people, mortgage brokers, real estate agents, so on and so forth, who understand the complexities. But With co-ownership, you actually have an opportunity to possibly pool resources. And pooling our resources and increasing your purchasing power can be incredibly beneficial. And in a market like Toronto, where you have the dual land transfer tax, that's also a very big expense. And you have houses that, for the most part, are over a million dollars. You really can't afford a lot. And when you look at what you can afford on your own, a condo or a 500 square foot apartment, whatever it might be, you might in fact end up with more real estate. And I mean that in sort of like bricks and mortar, but more space, more outdoor space, more control than you could if you didn't combine and leverage a number of people's resources. 
but it's complicated and it has to be done with a lot of thought and it has to be done with really good guidance because as I've always said to people, the getting in isn't, isn't hard. It's the getting out that's really difficult. Great. Thanks for explaining that. And we'll touch on the financial aspect a bit later on in the podcast. So perfect. Thanks again. My next question for you was that you helped create the web-based app weown.ca. Can you tell us how weown.ca came to be and as well as your inspiration for it? I heard perhaps a, a dating app was inspiration for that. Is, is that true? <laughs> Yeah, I have never been on a dating app, believe it or not. So my inspiration for it came from, so we're we're in construction phase right now. Like we're really bringing it to market. We should be launching, well, any time now. But what, it, what I was discovering was that because people understood this as a commodity-based purchase, right? So let's say you buy a triplex, you could have renters upstairs. You could buy it yourself and have two relatively strange people living upstairs. You don't know them. You collect their rent. You're friendly. Or you could buy a triplex and have everybody have a stake in it to get pride of ownership. And what I was finding was that people were way more interested in having co-owners share the property than being a landlord and figuring out that relationship and being both a landlord with a lot of responsibilities and a landlord that is vulnerable to tenants not paying rent or having to leave or vacancy or, you know, any of those things. And a lot of people are saying, but I just don't know anybody. I really want to do this. And I know exactly what I'm looking for. And I know the area I'm looking in and I know how much I want to spend and I know how much money I have as a down payment. And I know that I love pets and I need a backyard. And I started to think, well, it was getting to be a lot of work for one agent to be like, oh, okay, I just met this person who, oh, but maybe you'd be really good with this person who I met who also doesn't really have, oh, and then there's, so I decided to create a virtual or a tech-based matchmaking service. And that isn't the dating site, you know, you smile at me, I smile at you, and then we end up going out for a coffee together. This doesn't quite work that way. I'm the intermediate and I will, or the intermediary. And so if there is a lot of synergy when I look at the algorithms and I go, oh, wow, look, this person wants to live north of Bloor between this and this and has this, then I actually do the matchmaking. It's not so strange because it's a huge commitment, right? I used to have speed dating nights that were really a lot of fun, but you know, they were more for getting people to talk about co-ownership. I didn't really expect anyone to like, you know, sign on the dotted line, but we'd have a lot of fun. So it's kind of taking that a little more seriously and actually using it to help people find potential co-purchasers in real estate. It's a fun, it's, a, it's, it's fun. It can also make you answer questions you may not have even thought about before about what you need in a home. And then we try our very best to put you together. Great. Thanks for explaining that. I mean, it definitely sounds like a worthwhile exercise for anyone buying a house. The one group of people who are kind of open to this idea, which is interesting, is millennials share a lot, right? The shared economy is something that I think, I, I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm 57. So it, it's different from my, like my generation around sharing was different. But, you know, like car share, all of those things. And now these, and in, you know, places where you can kind of rent and have everything looked after for you. Like convenience is something I think we started to take a little bit for granted. And this 
service is kind of convenience, but requires a lot of dedication, work, and commitment. So it will be interesting to see how it actually materializes and takes off. Hopefully it will. Great. And I just wanted to understand, is, is your website up and running now? Because my next question was going to be about how somebody uses the website and who is mainly yes. using it. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. You can, you can just go to weown.ca and you can sign up. You'll create a profile. And if your profile matches with other people, then you will, you will be told that that's the case. And then it will offer you the option of meeting with a co-owner consultant, which right now is myself and my business partner, Carmel Gosai. He's an agent who's just joined GoCo. And we will then help you navigate the next step because it's way too much for people to do it on their own. And to be honest with you, if you get the wrong advice or the wrong direction, you could get yourself into quite a pickle (laughs) buying a property without having really vetted and done all of the work that we recommend you do in order to make this purchase a healthy and happy one. Perfect. Thanks for answering my last question. We kind of touched on it earlier, but just wanted to get a bit more into the nitty gritty of actually going ahead with co-ownership. So let's say that you explore it a bit and you decide that you're interested in. I understand that there's a couple main steps. Maybe there's more than two steps. I saw a couple blog posts on your website that are talking about the steps. Uh, Would you be able to walk us through the steps of co-ownership? My understanding is the, the first step is picking the perfect partners. And then step number two is building your financial model. So perhaps you could talk about those two steps and any other steps in a bit further. Well, I mean, maybe I should have added a blog post that said maybe it's a philosophical thing you kind of have to decide that you're interested in before you try and find your partners. Now that you've said that out loud to me, I'm like, hmm. So for me, it's really about are you somebody who can commit to compromise? Are you somebody who could commit to working with other people or are you steadfast if I don't get it my way it's no way and therefore you're probably not material for a co-ownership you've got to be someone who's interested in working and building relationships and you know we all know that they can be work we also know that you have to have some ability to do some compromising because you can't always get it have everything your way and then the other thing is that finding your right partners is daunting right it's daunting because People are, well, as humans, we all know that we have certain things that might drive other people crazy in our behavior. So you've got to be really sure. And most of the people who I work with right off that have been friends for a long time or are family, so they have that familiarity with each other and so therefore they have some level of comfort. But it's not impossible to find people to go into business with and do it well. So there's being able to philosophically understand that you're capable of doing this then committing to finding your community and working with your community, establishing rules, the way that you want to have dialogue, the way that you want to deal with difference, the way that you want to be able to vote on things. Are you doing it democratically with everyone with one vote? Are you doing it based on, I own more square footage, therefore I have more votes? Am I doing it if I brought more money to the table? You have to also then really work through, how are you going to set your house rules? This is long before you even start looking at real estate or even applying for a mortgage. So you get to the point where you're really comfortable and believe that you're now in a position to make the next big move, which is one of the scariest is putting your money on the table. What kind of money do you have? What do you guys, can you guys approve, get approved for in a mortgage? 
And I hold everyone's hand right from the very beginning right through the very end. You have to get pretty financially naked with people when you, so that's a big one too, getting ready and preparing people for what it means to apply for a mortgage together, what it may mean that's going to come up, give any, you know, skeletons in your closet, you better be prepared for them to be exposed, getting people to the table. And then once there's a decision that there is commitment, community has been decided, mortgage has been pre-approved and that people are ready, we step back and we go, is everyone okay to continue on this journey? Because once we start looking at properties, the worst thing that can happen, well, not the worst, but one of the worst things is somebody gets cold feet and everyone's affected by it. We kind of have a cooling off period because if somebody needs to back out, they've got to back out before there's potentially an offer on the table, potential excitement about there being something. Because I've seen that happen and it really sours the group. And that happens amongst friends. That friend can find themselves on a bit of the out. I like to have a moment where we actually really review and we go back to the beginning. We make sure we're still all there. And then we start looking for the property. And that process in and of itself is really intense because you have to be able to, that's all, all where everything gets tested, right? And you compromise. Are you going to, like, what hill are you going to die on? The door faces west. I said I needed, an, you know, an east-facing door. Like, anything. So looking for real estate can also bring back up a lot of the kind of things we've reviewed and talked about. So I'm constantly checking in with people. And then at the end of the day, you hopefully are successful and you make the offer. And my relationship continues to stay with the property. My background is social work. I'm a policy person. So I stay with the property and really work hard at getting them through their first year because things come up, renovations have to happen, you know, someone wants a dog and it wasn't discussed and, you know, those kinds of things. But like I say, the getting in is not as hard as the getting out. And so the legal agreement, which is happening throughout this whole process, needs to be in place and signed and sealed and delivered at that time. And the legal agreement, we could have a whole podcast just on the legal agreement because I don't, I, I really believe that it is one of the most fundamental pieces of this to make it work well, is you have to have a solid legal agreement that has an exit strategy that everyone agrees to, and it doesn't falter. No, you're definitely more than welcome to come back on the show again. I totally agree. Like having an exit strategy is super important because if you're married couples, I would imagine that's a lot different than being co-owners where you don't have any relationship on a personal level and people might have different goals in life. So yeah, I definitely think coming up with an exit strategy before purchasing the property and signing on the dotted line is really, really important. It's so important. I mean, and you, you know, again, like we could do a whole podcast just on the difference between tenants and common, right? And joint tenants, right? So all of that stuff has to be understood by co-purchasers. So there's a whole lot of stuff, right? Matrimonial law, matrimonial homes, divorce, death, taxes, and all of that has to be put into the mix and, and very serious. It's not a, oh, look, you all shake hands and you all agree. It's no, we all agree that this is the way we're going to manage this property. And the legal agreement is huge. And I work very closely with lawyers, two lawyers who are becoming really, really, really experts in this co-ownership field because it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep evolving. 
No, I agree completely. It definitely seems on trends. Yeah, last thing I wanted to touch on is you wrote an excellent post on the five life-changing benefits of co-ownership. Maybe you've touched on some of them, but can you just talk about the ones that perhaps you haven't mentioned so far? So there's the combined leverage and split, which is kind of combining and leveraging your resources. You can share the burdens. I mean, if you're seniors and you want to share the burden of being able to have a nurse come in every once in a while or somebody to help you do the caring of your gardens or shovel the snow, right? Or if there's an emergency, you can leverage your resources together. Sustainability, so you can share a space and create a more sustainable way of living. We can reduce our environmental impact. Not to go too far on that, but you can try and reduce Go to one car instead of everyone having a car. Go to one lawnmower except everyone has, you know what I mean? Like that kind of approach. Have an intentional community, which I actually think think is really, really important for your well-being and your mental health. And I think COVID has proven to us how important human connection is. I mean, I think we all knew that, but I think it actually really, really, really pointed that out. And I, I think that those kind of the intentional community age and aging in place I mean, the disaster of our senior care. <laughs> I don't know. I've had more people say to me in the last little while, it's like, ah, I didn't want to go to them before. And now I really don't want to go to a senior care facility given what we've just seen COVID times, right? We're happier and healthier in community. We are, we live longer. We, multi-generational groups, you know, have someone help you shovel the snow, you babysit. Like, I don't know. I just think the benefits are endless, to be honest. I'm a big component of it. I've lived communally all my life with a lot of private space, but I really actually fundamentally believe in it as a lifestyle. Yes, definitely. I think there's a lot of merit in it. And with the real estate prices the way they are, you know, as long as you get into the real estate market and start building up equity, this could be the perfect foot in the door to, you know, get into the market. Yeah. Yeah. And it can help people, you know, have assets. If you sell a big asset and you want your kids to have your money, but you're not ready not to have your own home, it's a great way to like bring them into the market, put them on a mortgage, buy an asset that you're all on title, get them started without you having to divest your entire asset. Yeah, I definitely think ownership when done right can be a very powerful way to build wealth in the future. So you definitely sold me on it. Yeah, great. (laughs) Well, it was wonderful uh, chatting with you today, Leslie. Uh, Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, probably going to have a large sort of virtual conference in the fall on co-ownership step-by-step. So there'll be a mortgage broker the lawyer and myself, and we'll put out a big marketing on that. But you can always check out what's happening at G-O-C-O, so that's gocosolutions.com. We post all of our events there, and we will post anything that's happening in the next little while. And I look forward to hearing from anybody who's interested. I love talking about co-ownership. And you can reach me uh, through GoCo Solutions anytime. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, coworkers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at Sean, that's S-E-A-N at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3745.
1-800-242-1111 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.